This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Previously on Homestale Radio. You need to stop buying that word of the day toilet paper, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Sorry, mate. Ridiculously close to the world first world cup, so we won. <laughs> <laughs> Much closer than intended. <laughs> Ten minutes. One thing, Tony, in the game, the next game, they had two shots on goal. I wish England, wish England had that many shots. <laughs> <laughs> For all our contact information and to send us an email, visit holradio.net forward slash contact. Right intro here, please. Oh, hang on. Uh, hello, and welcome to Homestay Radio. My name's Chris Hambling, and um, I, it, it had changed to... Well, basically, I've spent an entire pre-show chat having a go at people for not doing what they should have done, and I've only just realised I haven't written an introduction for today. Let's see if I can wing it. <clears throat> uh, with me today <laughs> are Nick Gillard. Hello. Hello. Hmm. You took the brunt of my criticism, Nick. How are you feeling right now, now I've realised I didn't write my introduction? <sighs> Words. <laughs> Words. Right. Um, also, we have Joe Holyo. Hi, Joe. Hello. Hello. That's it. You sound enthusiastic today. No, um, I'm not. Yeah, good, good. That's to hear it, mate. That's, that's important. And, um, well, also, we've also got Tom Fancy. Hello, Tom. Hello. You notice that I can't do anything now I haven't written it down. It's really bad. I'm, I'm very unhappy with the start of this show. But anyway, what we're going to do today, we're going to wrap up the World Cup, which, as if we all really care about it anymore. But we'll be spending most of the show talking about a, a quite astonishing 13-1 victory for Crystal Palace in their first game of the season. First, well, pre-season game. But I'm calling it the first game of the season. <clears throat> And, and not only that, we'll also be rounding up all of the transfers. So, uh, plenty to look forward to, and on we go. Um, first up is uh, a news in brief that we didn't record. All the latest news from around Selhurst Park. This is News in Brief. 
Crystal Palace will take on German side FC Augsburg in their final pre-season friendly before the start of the 2014-15 season. Tony Pulis' men will travel to the Bavarian city on Friday the 8th of August with the match taking place at the SGL Arena on Saturday the 9th of August, exactly one week before the start of the new Barclays Premier League season. As part of the ongoing renovation work at Sellers Park this summer, Crystal Palace Football Club are replacing a number of the seats in the Arthur Wade stand. And now, supporters who sit in the affected areas, where they'll be standing till they get the new seats, will have the chance to buy their old seat. Season ticket holders in rows 26 to 49 of blocks V to Z now have the opportunity to purchase their original wooden seat, with orders now being taken by the club's box office. News in Brave. Really enjoyed it, your delivery there, Nick. It was good. Thank you. Is it true that Dr. Runk has organised these uh, Australian and German pre-season matches? Nine. <laughs> I, I don't know who you're talking about, mate. Never heard of him. Never heard of him at all. We played uh, like an under-seven side or something. Right. And anyway, enough about that. Um, we'll, we'll come to that later on, mate. Look, you know, let's let's first of all, obviously, the over the summer we've had a we've had a couple of World Cup podcasts, and what we can't really do is leave it without. Uh, having a little nod towards what's ha- what's happened, how that's finished, um, and I'm, I'm going to start with you, Joel, because you, I imagine you've got a bit of gloating to do. Very early on, you uh, suggested a certain team would be your favourites to win it, and and they went and won it. I mean, how, how do you feel uh, about watching that final, and you know, and and being proved correct for probably the first time ever? Hundred and seventy-five pounds worth of correctness. Yeah, listen, when they've got a, a team that's got six players from one side in it, I mean, we could have said that about England and Liverpool, but we can't compare Liverpool to Bayern Munich. So, um, But yeah, I, I thought they were very, very, very good. And I, I couldn't believe Messi got the player, of the, whatever he got the player of the tournament. I um, because I thought Schweinsteiger was just sublime. It was, um, we, we talked about quite a lot. The, the, the general theme of, of the World Cup for us seemed to be... Um, you know, the fact that the the teams were sort of the the, the sort of the uh, um, international squads that that played as a team were the ones that were the strongest, you know, and it was why the the slightly weaker teams that that progressed further did progress. The likes of Costa Rica and to to a certain degree USA, they they were the best. But Germany had obviously a fantastic team that's been together a long, long time, and people forget. Obviously, you got a couple of faces changing here and there, but. A lot of those players have played a lot of football together. Um, you know, some of them will come up for you, the youth ranks together um, internationally. They're just a very, very solid team. And in the end, you, you can't really say that they, they didn't deserve the victory. But um, if I can pick on you a little bit, Nick, and, and were you disappointed by Argentina showing in the final? A little bit. I think they tried to um, to kind of nullify Germany a bit. And I, I was caught in two minds about who I actually wanted to win because I've got an Argentine brother-in-law. And uh, I, and uh, he was he was adamant that they were going to win it. But Don't Joe, talk about like the war. Said, <laughs> and um, Germany were just a complete team. I, when when you were talking about the team, I was thinking about that's the reason why Palace did so well last mm. season because we were we were a team. And and then it led me to think about Spain and how they were a team for so long. And are Germany going to be the new Spain because they they just they're not that old yet, are they? No, no, not at all. Um, and let's say they've they've done a really good job of sort of rotating players in and out of that. I mean, Joe mentions Schweinsteiger, and he, you know he's been brilliant. Um, obviously, he's one of the players who's probably at the, the latter end of 
of that. But you know, they've got players ready and waiting to come in and, and fill the gap. So yeah, it's um, it it really is a it's it. <laughs> It's an impressive thing to, to Germany to get back on the world stage like that. But I didn't realise it had been quite as long as it had since they won the World Cup. I mean, they're always there or thereabouts. But um, I think it's really nice to see a European team win it, win it in South America. Um, Definitely. Sorry, go on, Nick. Um, Germany did, were, were the deserved winners, though, in the whole tournament. I thought they, they were the, the team. And I know that you recorded the last podcast uh, before. Was it before or during the... Um, the Germany Brazil semi final, and and they just it was, that was an incredible game, wasn't it? You, you you're never going to see anything like that again, and just just for that, yeah. I think they should have ended the uh, ended the tournament and just given it to Germany then, um, because yeah, they they were the outstanding team. Yeah, uh, again, yeah, you bring that up. I I had completely forgotten because basically we, we were watching that game unfold as we were recording the podcast last time. Um, and yeah, it was a, an astonishing performance from Germany to take Brazil apart. And you could see in the uh, third, fourth place uh, where Holland beat Brazil 3-0, you could see that they really hadn't recovered. But um, I mean, Joe, you mentioned it earlier on. Um, so I'm going to ask Tom uh, about <laughs> the the award of player of the tournament to Lionel Messi. Uh, some people pointed out that the award, I think, was sponsored by or presented by something to do with Adidas and Messi is um, a representative of Adidas, and there was some conspiracy about that. But I mean, you know, yes, he is a world-class player and one of the best players you know that we has ever been, I suppose. Um, but what was the reason, possible reason, to actually give him that award? Did he really impress that much to be the player of the World Cup? I'm struggling to to find a reason to give it to him myself. Um, as you've said, he's he's a very good player on his day, or, or ninety-nine percent of the time. But for whatever reason throughout this tournament, he just didn't live up to, I guess, the expectation everyone thought we were going to see from him. You know, he's what, 27 now, isn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. So the, 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 the perceived peak of a footballer's age. Um, and it was all, everyone saw for you the stage was there for him to sort of take away and run with it. But um, his, in terms of player of the tournament, I, 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 I think it was wrong. And I think a lot of people, people do as well. So, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, a bit strange on that. Yeah, even Seth Blatter said it. I mean, I know Tony was mentioning on our, our previous previous podcast um, that, that he felt that Messi needed the World Cup win to to truly arrive on the the world stage, and obviously he didn't get it. Didn't get it, but he's still a great player. But anyway, Joe, you wanted to chip in with a point just then. I've forgotten. Hooray, Nick! Shut your eyes, Joe. Um, that 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 hundred eighty seven poundy one, Joe. Did you spend all of that on your new laptop with Windows eight? No, um, sorry. The, the funniest, well, there were two really, really funny things on social media in the World Cup. When Messi went up to get his Player of the Year award, somebody on Twitter or, or Facebook described his face as being like the child who's had a smack bum, been sent upstairs to their room and was coming down for their dinner. <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of looking at the empty. And that trophy that um, the German keeper got, wasn't that bloody scary? It's like the beast with five fingers. What was that all about? A huge well, I mean, golden hand. <laughs> it's you know it, it would be a uh, centerpiece for a party. I'm I'm sure, but um yeah no I don't know. It's quite. I don't a, know what party you're going to, Chris. <laughs> it's a, it's the Rolf Harris Jake the Peg, but with arms. Oh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Well, it's unsurprising that Jail was the main one to get that. Remember the seventies, everyone? No, me neither. Um. <clears throat> Your At mum, least you'll or... get to see the twenty seventies. <laughs> we won't. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Ralph Fiennes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, actually, you know, the, the awards were quite an uh, amusing set of things, really, weren't they? It's it's the whole World Cup hype is it's very it always manages to look tacky in some ways or peculiar in in, in other ways. There's an open opening ceremony is a usually very odd kind of thing, and no one's quite sure what the hell most people are going on about when they present them. And, and yeah, the awards just, you had people who seemed, seemingly didn't want to be there and didn't want to accept their awards. It's all a very weird and forced situation. But it's a shame to, to, to end it like that when you think what a great World Cup it was to actually see. It really was good. I mean, it got really tight before the end. But um, but yeah, uh, Gel, go on then. You might have remembered something, it looks like. <laughs> um, no, the only the only uh, the best part for me about the final, um, obviously apart from Germany winning and me getting lots of cash, <laughs> was that the Argentinians were kept waiting on the pitch for about half an hour after the final whistle, um, which which just sort of seemed to ease my pain <laughs> of uh, of all those many years ago when they tried to take our country. But there you go. Yeah, um, I mean, <laughs> you've gone a bit political there. I mean, uh, I'm not sure the uh, current Argentinian football team were trying to invade the Falkland Islands, but um, they certainly, as a, as a, you know, in terms of football in history, we've certainly got a lot of history with Argentina there. That's enough to get. Didn't up. they have a flag with something about whatever the whatever the, the, uh, the Las Marinas or whatever is whatever they're called? Didn't they like, give it back or whatever? Um, Argentina. They posed with a photo. I seem to remember. Caused a little bit more angst over here. Um, I, I don't know, mate. To be honest with you, I, okay. I don't. But let's let's, let's not get bogged down. There's in some that. breaking news on. Sky. Yeah, but no, I know there's some breaking. I just I was just looking at it, but it's been breaking all day. Unless something's developed more, we've we've actually got it in the uh, the show plan to talk about later on. It's it's transfer related news, but and we are a podcast, uh, so it's not breaking. Yeah, exactly. We're not breaking anything, so we're we might live. as well wait. We'll wait till later on. We'll try and confirm if it's anything additional to what I was going to talk about later on. But, I mean, it's almost like a little live moment in the middle of this recorded podcast whenever you, as you listen to it. But um, Can, can I talk about Brazil? Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to talk about Brazil, so you go ahead. Well, they shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they really were. They were really, really shit. I wish we'd had them in the group. I really do. We'd have oh, qualified. Yeah, we would have I, lost to him. I don't want to talk about England too much, but I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we'd have beaten them, but they—they they, you were waiting for them to 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 really kick up, kick on. You thought early on, you know, they got a bit lot of pressure on them. They've they got out of their group pretty well, but they never really fired on all cylinders. But you thought once they they got out of the group that they gained some momentum, but they just got worse and worse and worse. And once they got the injury to Neymar, they they just fell to pieces. And and what Germany did to him, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't some sort of genius tactic from uh, Joachim Lowe. It was, it was just, you know, basic counter-attack Brazil in the area where they're weak, you know, pushing the areas where they're weak. And, Dav- you know, David Lewis was particularly the area that they were weak in. Um, £50 million defender he is. <laughs> wow. Um, but, yeah, I... I, I don't really... I don't, it's not a huge amount more to say, but, I mean, you've you got to say, as host nation... And, and a team that had such an impressive record in their in their home country. I don't think they'd lost a home match. God, God knows how long. But yeah, certainly the nation. A lot of people are saying it's one of the one of the weakest Brazil teams of, of you know ever. Uh, so, Joe, you you've got a, a bit more to add on Germany. No, I did remember what I was going to say in the first place. Um, Joachim Lowe said afterwards that what he did at half time, his team talk was 
to not showboat, to not to not embarrass Brazil, which I thought mm. was which showed good character. But it could, you know, why did they go and score another three goals and and <laughs> smash them seven one in a a place they'd never lost before? But anyway, you've always got to lose. But to get yeah. smashed out, to get smashed out out of sight. The only thing I'd say about Brazil is they've got too many individuals and they really cannot play as a team. Mm. Um, and and uh, I, 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 it wasn't a surprise to me. I called three or four nil. So, so for seven, it wasn't it just wasn't a surprise. In all honesty, no. I mean, I, I have to say, I you know didn't have your kind of uh, powers of you know prediction. I I've got a Nigerian geezer on a bung. He tells me all the results before. <laughs> that, uh, allegedly. But, <laughs> but no, but seriously, I, I wouldn't have seen that coming. I, 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 it was a real shock to me. When it got to five at half time, as, literally as we were recording that podcast, it was, I couldn't quite believe it. I really, it, you never, you never, you think international football, everyone says now, no easy games at international football. But it, you, yeah, Germany found one against Brazil, which was extremely odd. Just, just yeah, just felt very, very weird. But it was in keeping with with a really, really good World Cup, a World Cup that saw some really, really fascinating games and a hell of a lot of goals and lots of real quality strikes and you know, there's plenty of con- controversy as well. It was it was a good World Cup, enjoyed it, but it just wasn't Palace, was it? I think what you showed, Chris, just very quickly, mm. was how how even or almost how even across the world now football has become. Yeah. Yeah, it really has done. It's really a, a global game. There are the occasional team you, you're talking. Think people like San Marino, um, and probably some of the. Uh, but they all never get to a World Cup. What American Samoa and all that sort of. But yeah, you're talking about in qualifiers. But when you get to the, the the tournament final, there's really anyone who has, as we've been talking about, has that team spirit and, and knows how to play the system that they're playing. Talking of systems, there's an article on the BBC today uh, as we're recording this. Um, uh, with Tony Pulis quotes and obviously Pulis went out there with um, with the BBC and did a bit of co-commentary while he was out there but he was talking about how he also did uh, went took in a lot of games and studied a lot of systems that were being playing and scouted a few players and Palace had other scouts out there as well um, they didn't target or scout any of the well-known players who currently play for well-known clubs but they he gave an indication that they were looking at a lot of the South Americans that were already playing in Europe and Potentially could have come over come over to Palace. So who knows? We we might still see some transfer movement from someone from the World Cup, but we know it's like it inflates fees and all that sort of stuff. But I, I was, I was, there was more, the, um, go on, go on. sorry, there was a talk of Joel Campbell before the World Cup, wasn't there? Yeah, there there was. Yeah, we um, apparently our, our um, uh, chief scout Tim Coe had been banging on him on about him for a couple of months to to Steve Parish, according to a tweet that Steve Parish. Uh, put out there so uh, I thought yeah that, I think that was it was interesting to, to read that it's, it's still on BBC now if you um, you have a look under their features and, ana- and analysis section um, uh, yeah well worth a read and like I say I, I was particularly interested to uh, to read Pulis talk about um, the systems of, of and you know way that the teams are actually playing um, uh, well Tom I'll bring you bring you back in on this um I mean, Pulis did this in the summer uh, before he was dismissed at at Stoke. He went and watched a load of teams abroad and was looking at trying to play in a more expansive way. And then you think about the players that we've been linked with. Do you think there's a a case to say that Tony Pulis is is currently studying to try and build a very, very different Palace team than the one we saw last season? 
I, th- I certainly think so. I mean, all all good managers go away and sort of look at what they're doing every year, don't they? And they they they, they don't just stick with one sort of philosophy. They sort of look at what's going on and how they can adapt it and change their style. Um, looking at the sort of the great or the long longer serving managers, people like Sir Alex Ferguson, you know, they've always they might they might have you know core philosophies, but they've always sort of been not afraid to mix it up when they need to and and, and change things when they aren't going well. Um, so say yeah, Tony Pulis, he's, he's had a look at things over the summer and it's other, I mean when he came into the club everyone was thinking oh he's going to be long ball it's going to be hoof ball and as we rightly know it wasn't you know he, he played to the resources of the club and I think you know he's, he's not going to just go back to his old roots in that sense I think he's perfectly willing to look out there and say well this player's available this player's available I've, I've seen this works why don't we try this style you know he's he's a very footballing man he's, he's, he's not mm. as simple as some people would like to make out yeah, that's a very good point. We've we've definitely seen that from him. We've we, you know we've seen a, a different style than like you say many people expected. And you know the more you hear him talk, the more sort of encouraged. Is something you're encouraged about, Gel, to hear him looking in the World Cup, looking at various different systems. Anything you think he might have learned from from there? Maybe three at the back. Some teams were playing. You you can't go even. I said play three at the back last year and I was ruined, <laughs> wasn't I? Is that why you've said it? Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, of course, <laughs> right, okay. Um, listen, I, I personally can't think of, of, of many players that played in that World Cup. Firstly, who we could afford, not not very many. And secondly, who would actually um, make us a better team unless we went out and spent £20 million and a hundred grand a week. Oh, I'd, be, other than- I'd be quite happy... With, yeah, but but the thing is, you're saying about um, about the kid who's on loan from uh, uh, Arsenal at, at, at Joel Campbell. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I can't. I, I know it sounds. I can't see past Wilf if you're going to do that. Mm, well, yeah. I mean, again, that, that's although Wilf recently moved to Manchester, according to his Facebook, that's one that's been rumoured. But I was thinking more in terms of the left back situation, and I know we've been linked with an Australian, the the Australian left back today. I don't really remember too much about him, but. Um, Manchester's quite near Bolton, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, we'll be going there. Uh, anyway, Tom, you're, you're screaming. What, what, what can we do for you? <laughs> not, not screaming. That makes it sound different. No, just going back to what you were saying earlier about that article on Pulis mm. on, on the BBC website, um, it's interesting to note in those comments that he's referring to Jedon uh, Ack as a defender. Now, if you're talking about three to back, obviously you're going to have to still keep Jedi there, but it's, it's just interesting sort of the way that you see Pulis sees different types of players. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's obviously defensive-minded, but I don't think any of us would call him an out-and-out defender. Yeah, I did. I did pick up on that myself. It's a really, it's a good observation, Tom, and, and well brought up actually, because I thought I thought to myself maybe because he was. You can see at the end of the report he was re- relaying his comments back to someone else, and maybe they've written defender and you know he's talked about Milo Jednak and not said where he plays and this guy has gone off and thought oh there you go he's a Palace defender that'll do um, he's certainly a defender in our team he doesn't you know do an awful lot going forward he, he's all about you know winning possession and sort of moving the ball away and, and closing down space I, I guess but if it is Tony Pulis's words and he does see Milo Jednak as a, as a defender and potentially one to drop in at the in a centre back, he isn't the first to think that. You know, Ian Holloway used him there when we when we did go to a back three when Holloway did his usual double or triple substitution trick. Um, and I know, um, sorry, and I know uh, um, the Dougie again was also looking at uh, Mila Yednek as potentially centre back cover if needed. Go on, Nick. So it's a real shame. I'm just reading through some of these quotes on the BBC page, and I'd mm. just really love you to read them out in Tony Pulis's voice, Chris. 
Do you know what? I have... you do such a good Dougie Friedman and Ian Holloway <laughs> that I'd like to hear your Tony Pulis piece. I, I haven't practiced. I'd rather hear him doing it in a in a, in, oh. you know Arnold Schwarzenegger accent. Oh you, you, oh, you talked over me. I tried oh. it, and I hadn't even. I've never tried a Tony Pulis accent. I just did, and you talked over it. I, I said I've never tried Pulis. See, it's rubbish. It's a prop. That's more Chris Coleman. I'm going to have to work on this. Sounds uh, sexual that phrase as well. I'm a bit worried about you now. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, after me thinking we'd, um, we probably wouldn't have much to say about the World Cup, we have rambled on for a fair while there. So, <clears throat> But fortunately, that last little bit was about Palace. Um, well, Bulis, but that's the same thing. Uh, but let's, let's have a look at this friend, the friendly. We played against, um, what were they called? <laughs> Gratz something or the other. Uh, <laughs> Gratz under fives. <laughs> um, I don't want to be disrespectful to them. I mean, in- it's interesting to note that um, I know a few Palace fans went to the old, the old stadium that the club used to play at, and the reason and, and had to um, hurry along to the stadium they were supposed to be at. And the reason for that is the, is the club that we played. It's uh, GAK Gratz, basically Gak Gratz. Isn't Gak anyway? Um, and so, yeah, uh, they they're a club that have only been in existence for two years because. Uh, effectively, if you think of what happened to Wimbledon, um, and in, in a way, I suppose the, the AFC Wimbledon we have now is the Phoenix Club, the club that rose from the ashes, blah 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 blah, uh, and that's what uh, GAK Gratz are. Um, they're the club that rose from a club that went out of business, um, and they're currently in the seventh tier of Austrian football. Who's so, that sponsored by Chris? Uh, who's what sponsored by the seventh league in Austrian football? I mean, every league's sponsored. Who are they? Why have, you, why have you asked me that question? Well, you're the fonts of all knowledge. I don't know that. I haven't done the research. It's pre-season. hobnobs. Yeah, there you go. That would do. It wouldn't be. It, it'd be some sort of washing powder, I expect. We'll look into it. Um, <laughs> Might be so, Gak. <laughs> could well be, actually, yeah. Um, yeah, so, the, look, I mean, that that's, in a way, that that's kind of like, that sets the scene for, for what happened. Um, the, the game was brilliantly available to stream online so we've all and we've also seen all the goals that were put in glorious hd by the the palace cameras as well uh, really good to see um to see all those strikes and really good to see uh to see so many goals from a palace team and, and there's a few things I, I will pick up on i will say this up front because I, I haven't written it down or, and i'll forget otherwise what what i took from that game more than anything was seeing a team that um was in, a fir- in the first pre-season friendly of the, of, of the pre-season period, a team that was actually motivated and focused and knew what they were about and didn't let up. You know, each there were two different teams in the first half and second half, 45 minutes each. They knew they were getting 45 minutes, um, and they gave everything that they had for those 45 minutes and um, and did it in the right way. They worked on shape, they worked on passing and movement, and and they you know when needed they took. Uh, they took Gratz apart. So I, I think in terms of a, a friendly run out, it's impressive, but you also don't want to read too much into it. Um, so it was, it was 13-1. Um, it, 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 Not I'm our just, biggest but, ever win, apparently. No, no, someone said we'd, we'd won 17. Yeah, against um, Beckenham. Against, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I just, yeah. That obviously... Um, I've just been distracted by people, Joe giving me some breaking news that, again, it's the same news that broke uh, around two and a half hours ago. Um, so if we can all stop watching Sky Sports News and uh, get back to the thing in question, that would be great. Nice one. Cheers, guys. Um, 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Was it seventeen two? You said Nick. Seventeen two, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So again, not West, not, West not, Beckenham. Sorry, West Beckenham. There you go. So not not a record thirteen one, but certainly incredibly impressive. Now known as Bromley, probably. What? All right. Okay. So um, let's in talk fairness, about in other pre-seasons we've lost two one to Welling. So <laughs> exactly, lost two one to Welling. Got beaten six or something by Crawley. You know. So yeah. Again, you don't. It were, you don't you don't want to read that much into results. And Pulis said himself after the game, which I'll come to a bit later on, that you, you really it's not it's not something that you look at in preseason games. But you know we're here to talk about it. It was a game we watched it online. Most of us got some friends who were out there and they really enjoyed it. Said it was a lovely day. Austrian fans were lovely, treated well, could drink beer while watching the match, all that sort of stuff. So sounded great. It was lovely to see a, a good fifty Palace fans out there who'd made the journey, which was which was nice. But so the, the lineups, I'll very quickly run you through them. Um, I'm sure you're aware of them, but if you can, were, we have the greatest one first, please. Joe, um, <laughs> if that's what you want, <laughs> that's what you really, really want. <laughs> you bastard! <laughs> Honestly, I, don't, I mean, you, you you disappear for a moment, you come back, you've clearly been eating, you're breathing heavily into your microphone, and then you ask me that question. I just I don't know what to think about that. Really, um, can I find it? Can I find it? I mean, I'm stalling for a bit of time. But I reckon. I Someone reckon. Find I find the same, please. I've got it. I've got it. I've actually got it. Okay. Um, it's the all important Gratz lineup. They're the home team, so they do go first. Quite right. They're Kreisel in goal. He's good, wasn't he? Um, Strauss. Can you read it like Dr. Unk as well, please. I don't know what you're, who you're talking about. I don't even know. Who's Dr. Unk? Um, Strauss, Geller, Stadler. Stadler? Anyway. <laughs> it's you, Jill. <laughs> Stadler. Yeah, it's Waldorf. It was awful. <laughs> Where's Waldorf? <laughs> Um, Cisse, but spelled C-E-S-A-Y, interesting. Greisbacher, Samuel Ivanescu, Sasha, who scored the goal. Not Sasha. Not that Sasha. Um, the other Sasha. Greisnig, be careful how you say that, and Wemmer. Uh, that's the team that was listed. I, they obviously had some subs, but I, re- I can't do that. I can't do the subs, I'm afraid. <laughs> Okay, our first half uh, started. We had Hennessy in goal, so no Julian Speroni. Uh, Adrian Mapp- Mariapa hmm, at right back. Dan and Delaney, centre-backs. Young Jerome Williams started at left back. Uh, did a very good first half. Uh, Yannick Balassi played on the right. Uh, it was actually a 4-4-2. We had Yannick Balassi on the right, Ledley and Bannon in the middle, Thomas on the left, and Murray and Gale up top together. Um, who, who They linked incredibly well throughout the course of that first half. Second half, uh, new signing Chris Kettings was in goal. Uh, Jack Hunt, um, who obviously hasn't played for the team because of injury yet and went out on loan. Uh, but Jack Hunt was at right back. Ramage and McCarthy, it's a bit of a almost throwback centre-back partnership there. Hiram uh, Boateng played left-back for the, the first time that I've seen him play there, usually a centre-midfielder, of course. And had an absolutely storm in second half. Was an absolute beast down that left-hand side. Uh, Jake Gray played on the right wing. Um, O'Keefe and Campania in the middle. Joe O'Keefe. Um, Johnny Williams played on the left-hand side and Dobby and Chemak were up front together um, so we'll, we'll talk about how they all got on in a moment but those were the two lineups. Um, if you, I suppose the, the place to start gents was um, uh, I'll, I'll ask you about this Nick obviously Julian Speroni not involved yeah Joe Ward yeah yeah I'm just anything to worry about at all no no I mean he's got to try both goldies he's, he's going to use both of them isn't he Mm. 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 No, what's he going to do? 
Played nah, no, obviously I was just I'm just staring. There was absolutely nothing to worry about with that. Obviously Joel Ward was injured. Um Punchin didn't play, Gediora didn't play, Jednak obviously being rested off the World Cup. Um Punchin got yeah. sent to look for that ball. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, I don't know Garvin obviously he's uh, one who didn't travel to Austria as well, so I suppose, you know, that's pretty much Pretty clear if we weren't if we weren't clear already that he won't be featuring in, in the season ahead. It's a little surprise. I haven't seen. I don't know if Gediora because he was in the um, preliminary Algeria squad. I don't know if he similarly got some holiday time because he didn't seem to be in Austria either. But yeah, the only yeah the only the, the two that sort of stuck out that weren't involved at all were Ward. And when you find out it's for injury reasons, that's fair. Uh, no mention of Wild Jules isn't. But I suppose with goalkeepers, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really matter a huge amount, does it? And, well worth giving those guys a, a run out. So, okay, um, that's that's the lineup done. Um, I suppose, gents, have you got any further comments on the lineup before I move us on to talk about the goals, which is obviously going to take a very very long time? Yes. Yeah, go on. Yeah, that centre midfield of of Capania and O'Keefe. Mm. Yes, that that I I'm hoping is going to be a a League Cup um, centre midfield. Mm. That's what I'm hoping, but I, I am surprised to see Capania back. Yeah, I, I don't think that was gone. with a with a view to a, a permanent deal, wasn't it? That that loan. It was. If you remember, Steve Paris told us that the relegation of Nuremberg was um, was the reason that didn't get made permanent. But um, but yeah, he's. I mean, again, there was some, some interesting comments that come out of the camp about Campania, um, the from from Ben Garner first team coach and he was saying that it's up to Campania with balls in his court uh, if he knuckles down works hard adjusts to the English game and sort of integrates himself then then he's got a chance to stay at Palace um, some people have in, in, interpreted that as a, as encouragement and some people have interpreted that as a shape up or ship out and some people think the writing's on the wall and, and a story broke today that, that Sampdoria are genuinely interested and, and Palace are quite keen to sell so maybe that's not a permanent thing but I was encouraged to see him involved, and he, he did all right in the game. He, a couple of really nice passes, got himself involved. Seemed, you know, seemed fairly happy. But I did notice in the footage from the the training camp in Austria that you didn't see an awful lot of him. And you know, when he did see him, he wasn't with the rest of the players. He, you know, he was at the sort of back of groups with his head down, that sort of stuff. So I don't think I don't think he really wants to be around. Um, but you know, who knows? Maybe that will change. Maybe the week in Austria would have done him good. So. There you go. Sorry to uh, to piss on those chips, Joe, but um, I agree. Right. I, I think it'd be nice to nice to see the guy hang around. But when you think about, maybe, well, with the targets we'll talk about later on, it's perhaps even less room. But yeah, there's a, there's an awful lot to be positive about. Um, the goals are available on, on YouTube or on the, on Palace Player, but uh, they say on on YouTube they're there for free. Um, if you just look at the official Crystal Palace FC YouTube channel. You can see them there if you haven't seen them already. Um, well worth a watch because there's, there's a good range of them. Uh, I'll run you through the scorers and I'll, I'll stop occasionally to talk about uh, one or two of the strikes because they were pretty good or you know there's things to mention about them. Uh, Joe Ledley opened the scoring. Scott Dan heading across um, and Ledley bundling it in. Um, Balassi scored uh, from the penalty spot. Uh, obviously, all his own work cut him from the right-hand side. An absolutely horrific challenge from a defender out of his depth. And Balassi smashed it down the middle. Uh, good to see him get on the score sheet, and he wasn't letting anyone else take it, uh, despite the attentions of a certain Mr. Murray. Murray himself then scored. His first goal was an absolute beauty. Uh, linked well with Gale. Gale nodded the ball into his path. Pretty much, Gale Murray walked through a mar- um, uh, 
sorry, yeah, he, yeah, basically no one close to him volleyed it in the bottom corner. Can, um, we, can the, we stop there just a second? Yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Listen, talk about Murray and Gale as a partnership next year. Absolutely, yeah. I was going to give you a second goal and then do the exact same thing, but we'll talk about it. It's great. Um, the, the, the two linked together quite well. If you remember last season, um, there was a game, uh, development game against Brentford where Gale scored five goals. And Murray set them all up, I think, or all four of them up. Um, the two and the two linked brilliantly against Liverpool. So, is it something that you, Nick, think that that it potentially is is a way forward? For I'd, I'd love to see it, but if we see that, then we see other players that I like that might get kind of sort of shifted out a little bit. I mean, where does that leave Shamak? If you know he signed a two-year deal recently, which we're all obviously very pleased about. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think Shamaki should be one of the first names on the team sheet. So that kind of puts the kibosh a bit on the um, on the Murray Gale Gale thing, unless Shamak plays just behind them. Is you, you've got uh, it's a squad game as well. This is the thing yeah. I, I keep reminding myself of. I'm exactly like you. I want to see Murray and Gale play, but I, I want to play with fourteen. <laughs> yeah, so they exactly. can all play. So they can all play. You want Johnny Williams in there? I want to see Chimac, like you say, up playing there. He's one of our best players. I want Boating to get a chance, but I don't want to drop Ledley or Jednak. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I want to get Wilf back. But Punchin and Blassie are quality wingers, and where would Wilf? All those things. They're all those problems, but they are such nice problems to have if you just take a little step back and start thinking about it. Apart from left back, uh, left back is. I tell you, if if Iron Boating carries on playing like that, we might uh, left back. We might as well leave him there. He was quality. Absolute quality, and Williams wasn't um, wasn't too shabby either. I think certainly Jerome Williams can be very very happy with himself because you know he's he's only he's only a very very young lad, very limited experience. Did very well out on loan at Forest Green last year, and um, yeah yeah played plenty of games. And I think that's done him the world of good. He's he's got some work to do defensively by all accounts, but um, yeah, we, I still think obviously we need to sign an experienced left back, definitely. But yeah, you're, you're right though. If you go back to, to Murray and Gale, it's almost Murray's gone from being the goal scorer to being the provider. Although in this case, it was Gale who set him up. But the two really just seem to link brilliantly. You kind of, I almost get get to thinking, had we the worst happened last season, we'd been relegated, we'd have started in the championship with Murray and Gale. No, no question, they would have been our front two. And we would absolutely destroy that league. Absolutely, in my view. But we're a Premier League side, and we've got to think like a Premier League side. So however good they are together, is, you know, Gale didn't get any goals out of when we scored 13. You know, is, is he up to it? Is Murray up to it? Can we get better players in? That's what we've got to be thinking about. You know, as, as a Premier League club, we finished 11th, with that, and we've got aspirations to improve. Um, any, any more thoughts on that? Joe, you're uh, suspiciously quiet. 
No, 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 no thoughts. I can't get carried away by by that. I just watched all the goals mm. online. I were, were missing really, really good strikes, but mm. I love to see that uh, that defender who sounded like he was trying to play kung fu with Balassi. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it was ludicrous. I got a phone call from a mate of mine, and he said he um, was watching. Uh, again, we got on about Sky Sports News last night, and they referred to Johnny Williams as Johnny Esther. They did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. which which they, was separate which players, didn't was, they? Yeah, which which I thought was really good. So uh, that, so that's that's all really. I can't get carried away. I mean, I, I know I've wasted my tenner on us winning the Champions <laughs> League now because you said don't take any notice of pre-season results. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, every time we've had a pre, who's doing the washing up? It's Tom, but don't worry about it. We'll pretend it's not happening. Ah, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, every top we, we always have crappy pre-seasons. We got, you know, we got smashed by Crawley and mm. people were saying that, you know, it was all doom and gloom. But I'm I'm hoping now that, you know, I mean, that is a, is a bit of a thumping, really. We'd have had five or six. We'd have said, yeah, done all right. Yeah. 13. Putting boots on. Put into context, they they conceded nine against the German third division team uh, two two weeks beforehand. So I mean, I mean, they're obviously then they're, they're not the, the best players. They're obviously, I guess they're all part time players, um, and you know. Well, they only played for part of the match. <laughs> hey, hey, he's back! He's back! Nick Gussett's back, everyone. That's why he's here. <laughs> I thought it was for my good looks. Oh, it's a podcast. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's why we refuse to do many video ones. Um, um, it was just just to um, link back to your comments about uh, the German manager at halftime against Brazil, uh, don't showboat. Um, it appears that Tony Pulis didn't have that kind of chat with uh, the Palace team at halftime. I, yeah, I don't, f- think, I don't think it said too much to him other than, you know, it's 45 minutes, play, play some football. Um, uh, in a Pulis voice, please. No, no, not until I've practiced it. <laughs> um yeah, going back to the goals. Obviously, we got up to uh, to the to the third goal. Really, Murray got the, the second, and it was um, it was it's typical sort of tenacity that I was talking about. You know, the real desire to fight, even though it's a pre-season game. A uh, little bit of um, you know, scratch pack the midfield, just full of people. I mean, essentially, they were following the ball quite a lot. You know, like when you watch school football and just the entire pitch, like all the players just run around following the ball. Like there's not, they they went a bit like that at times. Um, and during one of those moments, uh, you know, a, a clever foot in from, I can't remember who it was now, someone in, in some, one, of the, one of the Palace midfielders, possibly Ledley, possibly, uh, I don't know, possibly someone else. Um, maybe, yeah, Bannon, I guess, or Thomas. But someone put a foot in and it, it just fell to Murray on the edge of the penalty area. Sorry, in, in the penalty area. And you look at him and he's just completely unmarked. Just absolutely... Just an easy strike. And, and that was the kind of level we were playing at. That's why I wanted to stop and talk about that one. Uh, Jerome Thomas got the fifth, just ran straight through the defence. Little trick to go past two players. Uh, Dwight Gale was running alongside him, screaming for the ball, but Thomas just side-footed it home. Uh, and that was the end of the, the, the first half. It was 5-0. And you kind of feared for, feared for Gratz after that. It's worth talking that the Gratz actually did offer a threat in the first half. Couple of long range efforts that Hennessy had to save, and he did really well on one particular long range effort to to tip it around the post. So certainly um, there were no mugs particularly going forward, but going at the back, you just knew you just knew it was going to get really really messy. They were like Brazil. Yeah, I guess I guess it's it's an it's an analogy certainly. Um, 
you know, you, you again, you you wouldn't you expect it? I didn't expect it of Brazil, but you expect it of a, of a team at this level. But um, you can see they certainly didn't know how to defend. And, and with it being five 0 in the first half, and us putting on, it, it was we'd say more of a um, so we, should we say fringe type players in the in the second half, but still a very strong lineup. And you just knew that Gratz were going to tire and tire. They did. We got eight goals in that second half. Um, interestingly, the first goal in the second half was by Gratz. Uh, I'll talk about that a little bit later on. It was some a couple of points to make on that goal that, um, that were quite enjoyable. But when the Palace scoring got back underway, it was uh, it was that man Dobby scored a hat trick in uh, I think it was about four or five minutes. It was um, again not really worth talking about too much what he did. Basically, good finishes for all three before Jake Gray. Um, got in on the act. Jake Gray's one we'll, we'll have a quick chat about. Um, I don't know if you guys know anything about him, but he's a winger we got when Wickham shut down their um, their uh, centre of excellence or whatever it was um, as part of the the EPPPP thing that we were so angry about. It's gone a bit quiet, but uh, Wickham just obviously couldn't really support the fact that they could lose players for no money, and it just wasn't worth them running that anymore. And Jake Gray was was sort of cream of the crop from there. Uh, and we managed to pick him up, um, and he's a very, very, very highly rated by the by the staff at Palace. Had a really in, bad injury hit season last year. Only played nine games, but towards the end of the season, really kicked on well in the in the development squad. Uh, got his chance to go out with the first team, and he got on got on the the ball well and got on the score sheet well. Um, he's one if you ever check the development results or ever see any of the games, he does tend to pop up with a goal here and there when he does play. Um, interesting talent, right winger, uh, not um, not in the sort of Balassi or Zaha mould, not one of those who's going to trick his way up there and be pace, about pace and power. It's more about finesse. He is quick, but he's more, um, I can't think, he's sort of more of a wide midfielder with a, with a winger, would you potentially say maybe? I don't know. That's probably one way of putting it. Uh, but one to watch for the future, definitely, definitely. Um, after Gray had scored, Marouan Chumak got on the score sheet, which was nice to see. Uh, and then the game was finished off with um, Dobby's sandwich between Johnny Esther strikes. Hmm. Uh, not sure that sounds right. No, I'm a bit concerned about my phrasing, but I'm going to ignore it, Nick. Let's not draw attention to it and no one will notice. Okay, um, that's, that's the plan. <laughs> Johnny Williams' goals were, uh, were carbon copies of each other. Dobby breaking on the right of the box, drilling them to the back post. Johnny Esther tapping at the back post. Uh, he was and fast down that wing, wasn't he, Johnny Esther? He he was play, he was playing like a man possessed. That was the really one of the really encouraging things about that. Uh, and he, he's who I want to talk about now. Um, he did play the second half, so arguably he's one of the, the fringe players. Um, that you know, so he, so yeah. Obviously, he's got a lot of work to do to get into the the starting lineup. I suppose you could think about it from last season. He's got work to do to get in the match day squad. Pulis set him a, the challenge um, when it was being linked with Swansea said that Johnny had to come back and prove that he was good enough and get himself in that team. Um, I would love to see him get in the, in the team in the centre, but he, I don't think he will do. I think his best bet is actually out on that left side. Um, well, thoughts on that, gents, before I talk too much more, Nick? Um, I was a bit worried when I read uh, somewhere in the paper uh, a couple of weeks ago about Unifin Pur. Uh, correct pronunciation, uh, <laughs> trying to persuade John Yester to go to Ipswich because they, they'd have him back in a heartbeat, wouldn't they? Yeah, they absolutely would, yeah. Um, he's And he's he was very, playing in a more attacking role for them and actually being quite successful at it. But, so that kind yeah, of but counters what you've said. 
But Noble yeah. centrally, and they really wanted him. They really played him centrally. It's where he's com- most comfortable. And yeah, I just think it's. Um, I, I, it'd be a real shame to for him to to waste a season at Palace if he wasn't going to play. But I really w- want him to to get in that side. I don't think he's going to get Schmack's role. I think if we sign who we're trying to sign, he's not going to get a chance to play centrally behind the front players. But I think there's a real chance that um, that he can probably. To, Take advantage. You might have to take advantage of some poor form or a suspension or an injury or something like that. Get himself in on that left-hand side. And if he plays with that same application and attitude that he, he showed in that 45 minutes, because he, he gave all he had, absolutely everything that he had. Um, and he was just pacey. He was strong. He bulked up a bit. He was, he was never a particularly as scrawny as people made out, I think because of his height, people thought he was you know some little boy. But he's always been a fairly st- sturdy lad. If you saw him... Um, that time where he injured Carl Henry of Wolves or whatever. So yeah, he's, he's a big. He's a. He's definitely bolted up a bit more. Joe, you're going to mention that. I think you mentioned it in a previous podcast, but I know you're screaming. Go on. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't know whether I did, but like I say, um, I, I see the photo that he sent my mate Neville, um, mm. and he has got. He is incredibly, and I don't mean this in in a Brighton sort of way. He's incredibly <laughs> fit at the moment. He has worked massively down the gym. Someone's got hold of him and they have really sorted him out because I, th- I think before he was lightweight and just Johnny Williams, the kid who's good at dribbling. And But now I think, you know, like my mate said, he has, he has taken this step up. He is more assertive. He definitely has. I think he's, he's, he's crossed the, the kid to the man type thing, yeah. you know. Um, but, I, I, you know, I suggest, you know, I think being surrounded by a lot of ex or a lot of Premiership footballers as well has has, has, uh, has made him realise that he needed to spend a lot more time down the gym to, to be to make himself stronger. Yeah. Do you think his time he, with Mick McCarthy then helped him in that, Joe? Well, I mean, the other thing is as well is he, he, he with Mick McCarthy he is a we all know what he is. You know, he is incredibly supportive. If he likes you, um, you're either in or you're out. But I think he enjoyed his time. So you're playing in the Premiership, and then you go down the league to the Championship. You can look very, very good. But but in saying that, he had rave reviews, and he played like five times and three MOMs. So yeah. But then he is, you know, he was probably borderline really good Championship player, lower Premiership side player, and at the moment we're a lower Premiership side player. So he seems yeah. to, you know, he he fits in, doesn't he? He's only ever going to get better. Let's hope so. I mean, yeah, it's possibly, I think this season, in my view, is our last chance before he'll want to, to get away, you know, and, he's, and he still might. It wasn't the fans that gave him that nickname of Johnny Esther. That was the other thing. What you've got to remember, I was mm. privy to a conversation with, with some backroom staff at a, a charity to the Palace a few years back, and it was someone within the academy. Yeah, I know. Do you know, do you know who it was? It was, uh, well, Dan Pringle, a former Palace centre-back. Uh, at youth level, uh, unfortunately, had a lot of injuries and ended up. I think he's had to end up even quitting football. He's had so many injuries to his knees, bless him. But he came on and we were talking to him about who's the next one from the academy. And he told us about Johnny Williams long before. Well, Lenny Lawrence John, told and, told us that. I didn't yeah. want to put it on, but yeah, Lenny no, that's said fine. It. He said we've got this kid, and he mm. is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, that, it was. Yeah, Dan said, "Oh, we call him Johnny Esther. He's so good." And yeah, and we we repeated it after that continuously and. You know, obviously it kept coming out of the club that people were calling him Johnny Esther. Anyway, uh, Tom, you wanted to speak before I ramble on too much? 
no, I think it, it all hit the nails on the head, really, there. I mean, as Jill said, Mick McCarthy's a very sort of, you know, locum or lumpum type manager. And uh, Pulis came out early in the season and said pretty much the same thing. You know, if, if you're playing well it's, and players are playing well, he's very unlikely to get into his team, you know. So uh, to get there, he's, he's going to go at the beginning of this preseason, just try and make his mark. He's going to do move hell on earth to try and get into it. And as I agree with you, as, as you said, this year will be his last real chance. I think he'll go to Palace because as much as he is a Palace boy and he loves the club and... He's you know supported us since he was a lad. I, as a, he's got the professional side of his brain, and if he if he can't get into the team for whatever reason, be it bad luck or the injuries don't come, or he just doesn't do enough to change Tony's mind, then I'm, I think he'll be gone. And, that, we and that's, and that's what I was I was pretty much told that by some by a confidant of his that that he has now realised that if he isn't going to get first team football, then the time is to move on, and he and he now knows that. Yeah, no, and you can see it. He's you know I know it. I would the only thing I would sort of remark on is, is that he did lose a year he need, he perhaps needs to be aware of this himself he lost a year because of injuries really um so although age-wise he must be he's 20 now i think um possibly 21 uh, but he should really think of himself as as perhaps a year behind where he should be because of not because of any fault of anyone's it just you know he's had injuries same as murray as well there, yeah, isn't it? yeah yeah so on that on that basis it, it, you know i don't think he should be quite getting itchy feet right now but i think by the end of this season, he should be should have established himself as a first team player at this club, or he needs to get be a first team player at another club for for his own benefit. I, I don't want to see him leave at all. Well, a I really squad player, don't. a squad player. I mean, that's that's the thing. You, you don't become a just a first team. You become a squad. That's the way the Premiership was moved on. Now you got twenty five players. You play that, and everyone it's it's squad rotation. And, and yeah. whether we like it or not, we're not. We, you know, we've moved up a league. Yeah, so yeah, that's what he'll be. As long as yeah, he's but, a squad player, he can't play every. You know, he's not a yeah, gazer, is he? That's the thing. No, exactly. You know, you know from when we were. Oh, Chris is gone. I'd like to yes. talk about Dobby because we, we we talk about Johnny Williams all the time. What do we do about Dobby? He scored all them goals, and he he was assisting with seven or eight of them, wasn't he? In the second half, absolutely unbelievable. But is he? What do you think? Is he is he creative? I thought I thought if we're going to talk about people staying and going, I you know is he is he as creative as as the person like Sigurdsson that we're we're linked with? I know, and he's he's kind of put a spanner in the works by by doing so well against an Austrian seventh division team, and this is the thing we got to keep coming back to. But he, like, he played really well in preseason last year, if you remember. He had some some really good games, even when the team weren't so good. So I don't know. I don't know if Dobby's one of these players who comes back at the beginning of the preseason and you know hits all guns blazing and then maybe fades out a bit towards the regular season. Yeah, yeah but he didn't though, did he? He played really, really well for Blackpool. Uh, for Blackpool, by all by all accounts. You know, did, did, was it Blackpool? He was playing. Yes, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, and he did. Yeah. You know, he did, he did. He did really well there. Um, no, he did. Um, but but I mean, you've got to remember that obviously with with Dobby, it, it was a case that. Um, <laughs> sorry, I became distracted. It's, with, with Dobby, it's a case that he um, he was signed for us. I am back. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> don't don't make reference to the fact that I disappeared. Um, he no, he look, he we signed him because we had to, and that and that's not disrespectful. That's just what happened. You know, we we signed him on loan from Brighton because we had to have him on loan, but we wanted him permanently. The only reason Brighton let us have him was because a permanent deal was agreed. So we had to sign the guy. Um, 
and yeah, like you said, he had a fantastic preseason last year. Started the the season in the team and was completely anonymous. And again, I don't necessarily think that's his fault. If you look at what was going on with Holloway's team at the time, um, it was a team struggling for shape and confidence for for some reason. It did preseason didn't go, it didn't help gel the team. There was a you know a strange setup. A lot of new players came in, so it's not a great environment for Dobby to be part of. Um, and he was one of the casualties of that. And yes, he did really well at Blackpool. They'd have him back in a heartbeat. But having said that, they've got eight players, so they'd have anyone at the moment. They'd have you, Jim. Okay. But um, no, seriously, I, I, I think that the, the case has been made that, that yes, Dobby has been brilliant in pre-season before, but it's all about how he plays in the Premier League. He, he's fighting for his future at the club. You know, and, he's, and if he's not going to stay at Palace, he's fighting to get a contract somewhere else or to get interest from somewhere else. So... Um, Pulis was asked about him after the game and he, and he just basically he batted the question away of talking about Dobby too much. He smiled, but then just said, you know, we, the, 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 the club knew that um, Gretz would tire in that second half and that the Palace were a fit bunch and had been working all season and the professionals. And I think what he was basically saying there is, OK, Dobby, <laughs> he got, got uh, scored or assisted seven of the eight. Yeah, he had a phenomenal 45 minutes, but it was against an amateur team that were knackered. And had, you know, been run around the pitch all game. So don't read too much into it. Into it. And I think that's fair enough. I, at the moment, I would say he was impressive. Uh, and you don't finish that well without having an awful lot of talent. But is he good enough for the Premier League? No, not for me, no. No, not for me either, unfortunately. Why, why, are, we, why are we playing teams like that, Chris? Why are well, we playing that's... seventh division Austrian teams? I mean, mm. it's all right. We, we kind of moaned a bit about about playing Crawley and when we but play Bromley Hamlet it's a, it, why, but why do we play Bromley but it's not always the first 11 is it no no look I, I mean to answer that personally I, I, you know, yes a lot of people have been uh, well not a lot of people a handful of people have been critical uh, saying what in the, what is the point in playing a team you can put 13 past and not even be in top gear that kind of thing uh, you've got to put it in context um, we had a training camp in Austria so the focus has been Every day, you, you see the video on, on YouTube again. Um, every day, they've been. Uh, you turned into Mark. Right, I know, What's I know. What it is, is because you're all using the chat function way too much, and I'm having to ch- make sure you're not. That, you're not trying to in- interrupt me or I've said something wrong or, you know, my connection's failed again. So if you stop jabbering quite so much in the chat, I'll stop stopping quite so much. Um, <clears throat> Put it so back there. to us. Oh, it's always down to us, isn't it? Yeah. Do you want me to help out? I never make any mistakes, mate. Uh, very, I, very, very, very quickly, Joe, and then I'll let you when, jump when in. I, all right, when I turned around and said about, um, you know, why do we play Bromley, I didn't mean it in a disrespecting way. Yeah. Why, why are we playing lowly Bromley? It's because we have an affiliation with him. It goes back a long time. And what we do is we take our professional outfit down to them, a semi-professional outfit, and give them the chance of, of a bit mm. of a bumper, you know, everyone going in and paying eight or ten quid, it gives them a few more quid. So I have, I have no... And, and the other thing as well is if we if we play them next year, if we play Gratis next year, if it becomes an affiliation with them, then we'll stick the 21s out against... Well, I think we near enough did, didn't we? Um, yeah, to the half second half, half, certainly. If you look at it, it's, it's not... It's not even as deep as that. It's the fact that we play, we use their stadium to train at. Um, we use their, you know, their facilities for for a week. We stayed in that area. And like I say, the, the players, the whole point of the game, in Tony Pulis's words, he said this: "It was not about the result. Players worked hard all week, and they worked the morning before the game. It was about getting the ball out and playing football again." 
And so their attitude to pre-season has been first class. But that, that tells you all you really need to know about the game. The game wasn't to test any kind of tactics. The game wasn't to give the players a challenge. It was, it was effectively an afternoon training session. Um, and, and I think we would have gained a lot from it. I think we gained a lot more from a game like that than we would gain from losing to Welling or Crawley or whatever. I think if you think about that game as an afternoon training session, um, it's an impressive afternoon training session because of the application and attitude of the players during it. And we think we gave Gratz an awful lot of respect in the sense that we went out and thrashed them. Um, so that, that, that's my view on it. Um, go on, Nick. I'm doing this because I respect you. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no. um, we've been spoiled being in the Premiership, and I, I, I struggled to watch the game. I, I, I had the game on streaming uh, last night, and it was like watching one of the old-fashioned silk cut sort of eight-bit matches. <laughs> so we've we've been very very lucky uh, that we're now Premiership and getting a higher higher kind of. Um, What's the word? Definition. That would be nice to see it in high <laughs> definition, wouldn't it? Uh, a higher profile. Um, yeah, are we yeah. getting too spoiled as supporters? I mean, are these games we would have bothered with and been talking about otherwise? We're making too much of this. You, you've said it's an afternoon match. Yeah, and the it's reason... It's an afternoon but, kickabout. But it's because we're all desperate for Palace to be back. That's what it is. Um, I, I still think that there was an awful lot to ga- gain from that as a supporter and as, as supporters who sit around and talk you know, on a podcast about it. I think we've got an awful lot we can gain from that. I think it was really interesting to see um, to see how the players had been getting on, how that, that week of pre-season had, you know, had, had got them up to a certain level. And like I said, the biggest thing for me was the difference in application from the players. Uh, you can hear Pudis shouting from the sidelines during the game. Uh, the that guy does not let up. If you watch again, if you watch that training footage, you can hear his voice continuously. He's out there on the field. He's giving people praise when they do something well. He's, he's encouraging them the whole time. And I, th- I love the way that, that the coverage from the club in, uh, on that training camp has actually built a picture of what it's been like for him. As I was um, umming and ahhing from through earlier, uh, the whole video of of them having to cycle you know, miles to and from the training every day. You know, they cycle up and down sort of mountainous type roads to just before they even turn up on the pitch and then they do a load of stretching and then running around and then they're back in the gym doing yoga and then they're back out on the bikes and then it's intense and you can see it on their faces but I think they just look so, they look so motivated. They really look so, so motivated. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. How did you find watching a game with no commentary? That was strange. Because um, it's different was, to watching it with the sound down, isn't it? You can just hear the crowd and the odd chant of eagles. Yeah. And uh, I'll be honest, I've, I was doing the the commentary on the whole radio Twitter, so I was almost doing my own commentary in my head and writing it at the same time. So to I didn't be perfectly honest. I, I was genuinely convinced that you were filming it. You were at the match, streaming it from your phone. <laughs> <laughs> I really was. Yeah. All right. No. I. I um. Yeah. And I thought, why aren't you standing with all the other Palace fans? Have you sorted that problem out with your right guard <laughs> shortage? Lovely. Thanks, mate. Um. Look, we'll leave it there. I don't think. I don't. I don't think it was a waste of time at all. The friendly. Um. Yeah. And it was certainly enjoyable to watch. And I thought the thirteen goals were a fitting reward for the guys who'd put all the effort in getting out there as well. So fair play to them. Uh, just a quick mention to the Gratz goal. I'm not going to dwell on it. I just felt it was worth mentioning the fact that they were mental when they scored, obviously, as you'd expect. Um, and then they played like an umpa band type music. 
And I was thinking, do you think how people slag off our goal music and get really irate about it? You know, imagine the members of our crowd and we started playing an umpire song. But I'd enjoy it myself. Do you remember many, many years ago, uh, we played Leighton Orient in the FA Cup third or fourth round. It might have even been the League Cup. And there was one tannoy, I think, in the away end. And every time Orient scored, we got the Brazilian goal. But it wasn't played anywhere else in the ground. It was just behind the away fans, <laughs> just to wind them up. That's a good tactic. I like it. Um, right. it's uh, The hour's up. We're going to stop here, probably. But um, before we do, I want to just quick nod towards some transfers. I'll come to the, the main story in a moment. But um, the, the, the current rumours are there's still a, the Stephen Corker saga. Will he go to QPR? Will he go Palace? Will he go somewhere else? Uh, Southampton' latest club to be linked. So nothing, nothing doing there. Uh, rumours we've been linked with today are uh, Ben Arthur from Newcastle. Fantastic player. Really, really good player. Not sure if it's realistic that we're in for him because, uh, you know, he's very on and off and can't really carry a luxury player. But oh, when he's on, he's a superb talent. And we've been linked with Cedric Bakumbu. I knew you'd uh, say it like that when I read it. I knew yeah. you'd say Bakumbu. I always do. You're so predictable. Oh, I'm Dear gonna, Lord, please, I'm gonna... we don't want Dawson. Right. Um, yeah, well, who knows? Who knows if we're going for Dawson? Oh, we haven't been linked back with a bid from him uh, since the start of the season. But obviously, he struggled, struggled for Hull to, uh, to complete their deal. So he's still available. But anyway, yeah, he's, um, he's a striker, uh, Bakumbu. He's a striker who has played for the under-21 French team. Uh, so show, so show, I don't know, whoever they were, were relegated last season. Uh, so he's wanting to leave, and apparently, us and it's either Newcastle or West Brom or someone like that have been linked. But the big news, um, earlier Are Frenchmen on, linked to Newcastle, never. <laughs> it never happens, does it? Never. <laughs> they signed, signed a few French players already, but yeah. Um, following the old Arsenal model, I believe it's used to be. No, no, it's Alan Padier. <laughs> like it. Uh, but, um, Five-year plans sort of actually mentioned this last week uh, in their on their website. The, the rumours that they from their sources were that Sir Goodson and Campbell would had bids accepted for, um, uh, and that's that's come out and been confirmed today from Rich Corley at South London Press has put that out, and it's now all over the all over Sky Sports News and various other places. Um, so yes, so Sigurdsson and Fraser Campbell. We talked about them in the last podcast as what we thought about them. Obviously, not you guys weren't really on there. So um, I wanna, who wants to talk to me about Gilfie Sigurdsson? Uh, I will, because um, I need to go imminently. Um, I've, I've spoken to a few Spuds fans, and whether it's them being um, a bit peed off that you might believe him, but they said he's not um, not exactly the postiest of players. Mm. Um, but when I've spoken to um, some other Tottenham fans, um, actually school kids who are not the most reliable <laughs> people, but you know they're they're enthusiastic. But you know, being supply teacher, you go to lots of different schools, so you, you invariably talk about football to get the kids on side. Um, they they had nothing but praise for him and would be very very upset if he left Spurs. Mm. Uh, I know a couple of Reading fans, and he was obviously he started. Uh, he's well, he came to prominence, should we say, um, in certainly in this country at Reading. Uh, and they would said he's he's probably the best player that they've ever seen at Reading, and they'd have him back in a heartbeat. He, you know, but obviously they're in no position to be to buy buying that sort of talent. And they said we'll be incredibly lucky to get him. Uh, so I'm very encouraged by that. And obviously Fraser Campbell, I mentioned last time. I, I'm I think uh, I think for the rumored 600 grand release clause, I don't think you can go wrong getting a player, Premier League experience, England international cap, 
not a great goal scorer of late, but certainly has proved in the past he can score goals. Like him, like him a lot. He's um, yeah, yeah. But I just don't, I just don't see why we wouldn't for that sort of money. And obviously, you got to remember, it's not just about what we, you know, it's never about what we think as supporters, really. Uh, but it's just that's what just what we talk about. But if you can't really say that you can't trust the manager. Um, after what he's done in the short time he's been at Palace. If he thinks Frazier Campbell's up to it, then who are we to disagree, eh? We, we certainly changed our mind about Mr. Prelice, didn't we, over the course of the mm. season? Yeah. And how yeah, how can you not? Um, he's just got better and better. And I, I still genuinely maintain that I think that when he joined Palace, there was a little bit of a period for the first two, three weeks where he was giving his all, but I didn't think his heart was in it. I, I really didn't. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I just mean that he, he was unsure that it was the right move for him. Um, but he just, in the end, he'd been convinced. Um, and I just think after a few weeks of, of hearing our wonderful fans and seeing the attitude of the players and seeing how well they responded, I just think he, he's, he's really taken to the place. Um, but I'm going to end the podcast there. I think we've, we've, we've talked enough. Uh, Nick's got to go anyway. Um, bye, Nick. And see you later, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think I think we've talked enough. Uh, we'll be back pretty soon. Um, just look out for. Um, oh, Tom, you wanted to speak. Sorry, mate. Go on. No, it's fine. It's oh, go on. I feel bad now. You haven't spoken much. Go on, talk to me. Go on, Tom. No, it was, it was, it was just on the Fraser Campbell thing. I mean, six hundred thousand in in terms of Premier League money, it, mm. it's a drop in the ocean, isn't it? I mean, if we were talking about him signing someone for eight or nine million and. We weren't we were a bit umming and ahhing. It'd be a completely different set of stories. Like so. Sigerson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, one of the things that, that's been mentioned on that is actually, I'm very glad you did uh, did interrupt, Tom, um, is people, are, people seem fascinated now about either talking about the wage someone earns or talking about the transfer fee. Um, yet they still haven't quite grasped that you have to put the two things together and look at the deal as a whole. If we're spending 600000 to buy a player like that, it's not an awful lot, but you can guarantee his wages will be a fair whack. Um, so I think when you, you just got to look at a total deal, how long the contract is, how much his wages are, how much the transfer fee is, and when you look at the total deal, they're all it's, everyone's an expensive signing in the Premier League, and you just got to let you know let the board do what the board are doing because they know what's best for the club in my view, and they've proved that they've earned the right to to go and make those decisions. And you've got to trust the manager to agree to sign the right players. I don't think people have talked about signings being from the board rather than the manager. I don't think Tony Pulis is going to sanction any signing that he doesn't want at Palace. There you go. <laughs> Comprehensive. Someone seemed, to, someone seemed to fall over there. Um, anyway, <clears throat> enjoy that today. Uh, although it was a slightly shaky podcast, but like I said before, we're still in pre-season ourselves. Uh, we'll be back. Just look out for announcements of when exactly we'll be back, but we'll be back soon. Um, but until then, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And thank you to my co-presenters for being with me today. Cheers, everyone. Bye. Bye. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.